What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. The, maybe, well, maybe the only daily NFL podcast on the entire planet. It's the only daily NFL podcast in my planet. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of this CBS Sports Venture. We will talk to Pete Briscoe and RJ White and get picks for every single game against the spread. We even have a, a Moneyline underdog parlay. We have a, uh, a two-team teaser, and then Pete did a, uh, I think a, a four-team, six-point teaser that he's going to drop at the end of the show, so make sure and check that out. But first, we've got to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, Bryant McFadden. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Will? I'm doing pretty good. Doing well. Uh, you know, our Thursday nights uh, talking on the phone are, are coming to a close. I know you're sad about uh, <laughs> <laughs> not staying up until midnight to watch the Jaguars and Titans play. We're going to get to that and talk some Steelers. Uh, if you're not subscribing to Bryant's podcast, it's the season, the 2008 Steelers. You're a fool. You can check it out on iTunes. Uh, each week, you've got somebody different from that team, uh, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, let's, uh, de- let's talk about Derrick Henry because, man, We've been waiting for this for since the moment he was drafted by the Titans in the second round and expecting this to happen, and he finally unleashed a franchise record 239 rushing yards with four touchdowns against the Jaguars in a slaughtering of Jacksonville. Unfortunately, uh, I think like 1% of the people in the world were starting him in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, 1%. I think that's a very, very fair Fair quote as far as number wise, percentage wise, but Derrick Henry had an historical day, night. He stiff armed his way to a 99 yard touchdown. He added three more rushing touchdowns to his uh, historical night. And yet and still, he played pretty good foot. He played real good football, but the defensive effort, the lack thereof, especially tackling, was really put on notice last night for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they clearly did not look ready to play, and that's the wrong mentality to have when you're playing against a 240, 50-pound running back. <laughs> yeah. I, it. Did you get the sense? You know, it's interesting. I thought it was I thought it was fascinating because two weeks ago the Titans played the Texans, and the Texans, uh, the Titans, excuse me, went for it on fourth and one at the goal line, had a questionable play call, dove up the middle, it got stuffed, uh, and then Lamar Miller turns around and goes 98 yards the other way. Same sort of thing. The Jaguars ran that stretch play to the exactly. left uh, at the goal line, and it gets stuffed because uh, the bad blocking up in the middle, and, and Leonard Fournette was mad about it. And then 99 yards from Derrick Henry, it felt like that run really took snatched the Jaguars' soul. I mean, is it if you've been there as a defender where you see a play like that and you're like, well, this is it. I mean, like it felt like the game wasn't over, but it, it sort of felt that way. Right. You know what? Deja vu. No question. I forgot about uh, the, the sweet sequence of plays you just hit on with the Texans going for it. I mean, the Titans going for it on fourth and short. Didn't get it. Lamar Miller touchdown uh, in a matter of seconds. The same thing we saw last night. Me personally, with Jacksonville at that time, if I'm not mistaken, Will, they were down, what, five points, was mm-hmm. seven to two. Yeah, seven to two, yep. And when recent history tells me when these two teams play play football, three, three points, they're like touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if you can kick at, attempt the field goal, now you're only down two points. Your defense outside of that first drive, I mean, they still – it made some good things. It was a huge screenplay to Deion Lewis that uh, allowed Tennessee to eventually score. Let's play defense. Let's play defense. And if you're going to go for it, that was a long one yard. I don't like the run. You know, you line up in a very generic goal line formation. 
with your backup quarterback. Three tight much, ends. Yeah. Three tight ends. And none of the tight ends are pass catchers. You pretty much told Tennessee what you were getting ready to do and they were prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And the thing is too, they had gotten, so their first two drives were six plays, 15 yards, three plays, six yards. They looked terrible. They punt twice. Tennessee's defense was energized. You know, um, the, the Titans are up seven, nothing. The Jaguars punt that second time. And then the returner just completely botches it, ends up giving the Jaguars two free points. They take the ball back on that, um, on the, on the, the you know, the, the, the free kick or whatever. And they go 14 plays, 65 yards. And come away with no points and a turnover on down and then Derrick Henry the other way. That's a soul sucking drive. And I, I think you're right. You know, you don't want, this doesn't need to be a shootout. You can get the points, take the three, make it seven to five and then force the tight, force the Titans to go make a long drive or something like that. Because if you look at it, they really didn't, you know, they, they, they went, uh, the next drive was three plays, seven yards, nothing. Then eight plays, 25 yards and a field goal. And so it was, it was almost like the, the Jaguars allowed the Titans to just storm through the door with those long Derrick Henry runs. And I think by like the second one, the 54 yarder, they basically given up and stopped tackling, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they gave up and this game was about big plays coming from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, especially from Derrick Henry. Offensively, throwing the football, Marcus, granted he did not need to have a huge game, but we know he's not the explosive type of quarterback quarterback that we've seen in the NFL. So that's why I felt like in early in the ball game, when you just got a safety, you can't get in three downs. Let's kick a field goal and let's play quality football. Quality football because that play – switch changed the momentum uh, instantly in favor of the Tennessee Titans when they got that fourth down stop the stadium was rocking and then here comes Derrick Henry the running back with probably the best stiff arm in the game yeah man he's smashing people in that run and, and across the whole thing and I thought it was really interesting he he looked a lot quicker tonight too you know or last night excuse me Kai, you did I messed up you didn't mess up uh, he looked a lot quicker the uh, last night kind of getting on the edge and really sprinting towards the end zone like he knew he was having that breakout game do you think BMAC that the Jaguars should fire everybody I mean what do you think the Jaguars should do because <laughs> they're four and nine now I mean this is a disaster they were one one miles jack wasn't one dead one blown whistle away from the from the Super Bowl and now they're four and nine and they have to debate whether they should fire everyone you know what I was going to ask you the same question uh what's next for Jacksonville uh with this coaching staff you Doug Marone he's you know, what in year two yeah second year you know what Pete Prisco thinks is going to happen I would love to hear Pete. Basically, he's our Jaguars insider. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's been covering that team since, like, bef- literally since before I was born. Um, well, he's been covering football since before I was born, but not the Jaguars. Uh, the, he thinks that they're going to fire, that Coughlin's going to fire Marone and come down to the sidelines and coach himself. You know what? I don't see Coughlin doing that this year. Uh-huh. You know, if you fire Doug Marone, you just, you know, uh, elevate someone from his staff. That's currently there to be the interim head coach. Finish out the season. Oh no, no sorry, not... sorry. I meant in the off season. He's going to fire Doug. Okay, he's, he's going to fire but, Doug Marone. He's not going to go full Barry Alvarez here. He's going to, um, yeah, like try and take over next year. Well, based on this performance, that could happen this week, right? Mm, true. I mean, no one saw this ugly performance last night from the Jacksonville Jaguars. If someone was to tell me 
the score would be 30 to 9. I would say it has to be the Jacksonville Jaguars potentially winning that way because of the defense. And then, of course, you know, getting Leonard Fournette back in the fold would be a huge plus for them. But this team didn't have any effort. They didn't play with any energy. They played like they didn't care. And for them to get blown out 30 to 9 just from runs, giving up runs, the effort is not there. So with that being said, what's next? How do you how do you go get past this? I I don't know. I mean, I, I I think here's the scary thing if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars because and I wrote about this. Um, I'm trying to think who I was talking to. Uh, maybe it was oh Jason Lockenford and I were talking about this like two two weeks ago or so. So they have 21 million that they're due to Blake Bortles if he's on the if he's on the roster. 16.5 million in dead cap space if he's not on the roster. They're probably going to cut him. Good luck trading him. If they, if they trade him, it's they're going to have to send a second round pick and his contract and Blake to to get rid of him. Um, so in order to and they're already so they're basically going to be like 23 million over the cap when the new year you know heading into the new league year. They're going to have to they're going to have to get rid of. Two of the three stud defensive linemen, whether it's Malik Jackson, uh, Calais Campbell, uh, or Marcel Darius, and they can cut those guys and free up a ton of cap space without too much of a hit. Uh, you know, but they also have to, they're going to have to extend Yannick Ngakwe, extend Miles Jack, um, extend Jalen Ramsey. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, they, Leonard Fournette takes up, like, he has like the fifth or sixth highest salary for any running back in the NFL. I mean, this is a team that, was right there on the verge and now all of a sudden they are just collapsing back inside of themselves. It's, it's crazy. And so I, I think, I don't know who's enthralled about taking this job and working for Tom Coughlin when you know that he's looming like that, like Barry Alvarez, like he ain't afraid to come down for the press box and take over the job. I, I don't, I don't know what they do next. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 critical good points made by you will as far as the money. As far as going for it with money still tied up in the quarterback, who clearly is not the guy, um, the defense alignment will be a flux at that position at that spot. I think you will see a new face in the starting lineup, and one of those high play, high price guys will be gone. Um, is it safe to say the Jacksonville Jaguars missed their window of opportunity as far as competing for a championship? I think you're right. I mean, and it was, man, it was a really small window, wasn't it? They, <laughs> I mean, it's like, like, it's like a screen door that like swung open with the breeze and then slammed right back shut, you know? Yeah. But, but think about this listeners and will the reason why I say, I think they missed their window of opportunity was a year ago. Their defense was so good. They were very, very opportunistic. They were forcing turnovers and they were scoring points for the offense. And even though Blake Bortles, he's not, he, he, he's not known to be a very, very consistent quarterback. He made timely plays throughout 2017 and outside of the known with the team, right? With the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's look at the things that were surrounding them, their neighbors, the Indianapolis Colts, no Andrew Luck. The Houston Texans eventually lost Deshaun Watson, right? Yep. And the Tennessee Titans, they were in a flux, eventually, you know, getting a new head coach. So within their division, they had an easy, easy win to win that division, an easy road to win that division. And then getting into the playoffs, we saw what happened. The first round, I mean, you played against the Buffalo Bills at home. Mm. Granted, it was a tough game, but that that's a win. And you get to New England and things did not work in your favor. But now Andrew Luck is healthy and boy, he's looking good. And 
barring anything happening going forward, it's safe to say if Andrew Luck is healthy, he is the starting quarterback. He is their franchise quarterback. That franchise won't slow down. And look what Tennessee Titans, I mean, the Houston Texans are doing. So now the, the division is tougher. They're making strides. They're getting better. They're improving. And Jacksonville Jaguars are going in the wrong direction. So I think they missed their window last year. Yeah, no, and here's the thing, too. Like, two points on that. One, Cody Kessler threw 43 passes. You are not going to win a football game if Cody Kessler has to throw the ball 43 times. I didn't think he was that bad, all things considered. But the offensive line, I mean, he was getting pressured left and right. The offensive line is a major problem. Uh, I think uh, Arch Stapleton of the New Jersey record pointed this out. But – um the Jaguars starting left side of their offensive line was the starting right side of the Giants offensive line when the year started. That's, that's not good. That's not good at all. And, uh, and, and so, you know, they couldn't get pressure. They were getting pressured. Fournette couldn't get any room to run. They, you know, they're not creative with how they run Fournette. And so they might have to blow this whole thing up. Um, the second point that I think is really devastating. And this is not hindsight because I remember Prisco talked about this. Tom Coughlin liked Deshaun Watson coming into the 2017 draft and they used the number four overall pick on Leonard Fournette. And it was great when they were running the ball really well, um, you know, again, last year and they're, 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 you know, playing great defense. But if they had Deshaun Watson, and they drafted him, even if they played Bortles last year and used a, you know, whatever, third round pick on whoever you want, Kamara, you know, or second round pick, Kamara, Kareem Hunt. I mean, I know he's released, but you get the point. Like they could have, they would have a guy in Deshaun Watson on a rookie contract and they would be able to keep all these guys on defense and keep the window open and hope the defense bounce back. And instead they're, they're stuck spending all this money on a quarterback they're not going to have with no real solution. And they're just going to have to. I mean, blow this whole thing up. It's wild. Uh, we're really doing the Titans a disservice too. I, I, I was really impressed with what Tennessee did. Um, it, it is easier to do, you know, to do Mar- Marcus Mariota wasn't great. Derrick Henry ran all over the place. I thought the defense was, was outstanding. Um, Tennessee's now seven and six and they're not dead in the wild card spot. Uh, so it is worth noting on that, but let's, uh, let's talk about another team they might be competing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. What, um, and by the way, I, I did like how Bryant, you, you were talking about the Jaguars playoff path and you like literally skipped over the game against the Steelers. <laughs> like that never happened in my mind. Um, what, uh, <laughs> we like, went straight from Buffalo to New England. What, um, I know Sunday night was probably tough to watch because it, it looked like it's the first time in Steelers history that, that Pittsburgh has ever been up 14 points at home. And lost it at half by halftime in, in the second half and lost a game. And yeah. it just, wouldn't. I mean, they actually were up 16. Yeah. At halftime. Yeah. It was the, the biggest, yeah, the biggest deficit they've ever given up. What, what happened and, and where do you think the Steelers heads are at? The Steelers heads at right now going to Oakland this week and sort of a must win game. Well, my personal opinion about what happened this past Sunday night at home against the Chargers was a team in the Pittsburgh Steelers, they dominated on both sides of the ball in the first half. You go into halftime with a 16-point lead. You know Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, they're going to make a run. And with that being said, you have to shorten the ball game. And the best way to shorten the ball game with the lead is to do what? Run the football. Mm. This should be a James Conner half. Now, we know he eventually got hurt. But before the injury, he was not the vocal point offensively as far as game plan, as far as script going forward. James Conner was not the vocal point. They still relied on the arm of Big Ben. And I know Big Ben has been, you know, 
just just dominating opposing defenses for the most part. But when you have a 16-point lead, you have to shorten the ball game and just feature James Conner. And also, too, not being able to run the football, now you give Phillip Rivers and the Chargers an opportunity to get more possessions. And that's what I saw. And eventually, like I said, you know, when you talk about momentum, momentum, momentum is a very, very tricky thing. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And I don't care if you're at home in your living room. I don't care if you don't have a, any dog in the race as far as favorites that you're cheering for. You can feel when that momentum starts to shift and it's like a snowball effect. You can't stop it. And that's what we saw this past Sunday night. I mean, when that momentum shift in favor of the Chargers, I mean, it was nothing Pittsburgh can do, especially, you know, they got that punt return that really changed the dynamics of that ball game. Yeah, it really did. And it, I mean, I, like, I don't, you don't see Mike Tomlin coach teams do that. And you do, one of the things though, I think has been a trait of this top, like lately with Tomlin and Big Ben for whatever reason, they don't play great on the road. What's your, uh, what's your, what's your fear factor here for the, for the Raiders for, for going to Oakland and being a big favorite? I mean, is there any chance that they slip up here knowing the importance of this game? Yeah, I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, and I'm not just nervous because we will be without our starting running back, James Conner. Even if James Conner was healthy and prepared to go, I'm still nervous, and here's why. For for whatever reason, listeners, I don't know what it is, but the Steelers, they do not play good in Oakland. I don't care what Oakland record is, you know, what they've done throughout the course of the season. Anytime the Steelers travel out to the Coliseum, and I've been a part of of a team that went out to the Coliseum and struggled against a very, very bad Oakland Raider team. We struggle. We struggle. So I'm very, very nervous. And then when you add up, uh, when you also add on, I'm sorry, that James Conner is not playing. Now you have uh, uh, Ridley, who is going to potentially be in the end of the rotation, Jalen Samuels. My man, Jalen Samuels, who's not a, not, yeah. a, not a real true feature back, by the way. Yeah. He doesn't he's, run almost, like he's like a little do-it-all type of player. He's a, yeah. he's a – a, a Tariq Cohen, but not as fast, but a little more put together. Yep. yep. You know, yeah. uh, but yeah, when you look at Jalen Samuels and the veteran Steven Ridley will potentially get the opportunities in the backfield. I mean, we don't know exactly what to expect from this ground attack with Pittsburgh. So I'm nervous. I am nervous knowing the history with Pittsburgh traveling out to Oakland. Yeah. I think that Oakland could keep it close and, um, Ben's never won in. Oakland. I mean, they don't, you know, they don't, I guess they don't play there that often, but he's just never won in Oakland, which is kind of a interesting set. I don't think Tomlin's ever won in Oakland either, which is, uh, surprising like to see that. Yeah. Uh, what's hey, the, uh, yeah, I'd be nervous too. What, um, what's the story this week from the, uh, the season? What, uh, Deshae Townsend talking about a, uh, a game winning pick six off Tony oh, Romo? No question. Once again, another, another popping episode. If you guys, haven't tuned in, please do iTunes, you know, to search, uh, the season, Pittsburgh Steelers 2008 season, recapping that championship run that we had. Uh, this past week, we recapped, uh, the Dallas Cowboys victory. It was a five star matchup because we're in it. The Pittsburgh Steelers in it. Tony Romo and like Will just, uh, mentioned, gave you guys a quick snippet about what happened. Deshae Townsend game winning pick six. Hinesfield went crazy went crazy uh and and that was a real talented good dallas cowboys team by the way yeah. you know terrell owens uh romo uh 
They had what Roy, Roy Witten, Williams, Witten, Witten, legendary Witten. broadcaster Jason Witten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that team was well put together on both sides of the football, but you know we were the better team on that Sunday. Yeah, and that uh, that that dropped them to uh, eight and five, and probably they finished nine and seven. It probably ultimately sealed uh, their their opportunity. Marion Barber, yeah, he was running pretty well for that team. By the way, if uh, just Deshaun Choice, you remember that name? Yeah, that's right. They had Felix <laughs> Jones too. Um, yeah. Out of Arkansas, that might have been his rookie year too. Good call. To charge was to charge choice play at Georgia Tech. Am I right about that? Yes, yes, yes. sir. All right, there we go. Uh, he was a good little pass catcher back, man. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you a pro tip uh, for for the podcast search thing. I'm gonna tell everybody about this too. I just checked it out on iTunes. Be back if mm-hmm. pe- if you go to iTunes, you can just search Steelers CBS. So oh, okay, and then it pops up. It's the first thing up there, and uh, and so people can subscribe. It's the season. The 2008 Steelers, uh, going in great detail about it. If you're not listening to it, you are, uh, acting the fool, as they say. BMAC, we'll, uh, we'll talk next week, buddy. Yes, sir. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, now it's time for some picks, what everybody's been waiting for. I have on the phone right now two guys who are so enthusiastic. You, you, don't, you can't see them. I can. The enthusiasm is bubbling through the screen as we're recording this pick segment. Pete Prisco, this is the happiest I've heard you in the 30 years I've known you. That happy already? Really? Jeez, I didn't realize I was that happy today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's uh, it's Thursday as we're recording this. We're recording it for the Friday pick segment. Uh, RJ White also with us. RJ, how you doing? Good. How you doing? You guys sound like you're hitting like a wall here. What's what's going on? Hitting a wall. I feel like I'm hitting a wall too. So maybe you know, um, it's fine. Is it? Is it does this always happen to you, Pete? Late in the year, get that get that grind that 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 end of season grind. Not usually, but this year it has. Are they working you too hard, Pete? No. They're not? You can say that. Uh, They're not listening. Uh, I can handle it unlike some. Who, who's some? Uh, they will remain nameless. Um, are they uh, – what do they do? What's their title? Uh, on the mic hosting this podcast. What, you think <laughs> I can't handle it? What are you talking about? I'm the only one with any energy around here. Get out of here. Yeah, I would love to see what happened if they made you host a daily podcast, Pete. Um, I did a radio show for five years, for seven years, every afternoon for three hours. Try it. I'm sure, I'll try it. Uh, anyway, this is terrible. Uh, this is terrible radio. So let's dive into the intro and recap that RJ put together, or the rundown, as I like to call it. By the way, you can follow Pete on Twitter at he at uh, Prisco CBS. You can follow RJ at RJ White One. Get RJ's picks on SportsLine.com. A dollar for your first month if you use it. Uh, the promo code White. RJ starting to get a little warm here, I believe, on this picks, right? Oh yeah. Are oh, you are right? Yeah. Um, I want to say I'm something about seventy percent in my last 40, 41, 42 picks or so on SportsLine. So doing pretty wow. good. Wow. All right. Nice. Seventy percent will cash. Um. You, uh, you, you're not, not are you actually kind of hot in the super contest too. You have taken the lead going four and one in week 13. This is RJ's time to shine. Do you still think you have he hope? Had the, he had the lead. 
Oh, you had the lead. You've had the lead. Okay. Now it's just about Pete, three and two. Hop Nick Costos is now down with one and four is down to 32 points. I am still, I went two and three. I'm still trailing Nick by one and a half points. The goal here, guys. Uh, and by the way, Nick, um, is passively aggressively, uh, tr- like, he he's mad about me not scheduling to get him on this podcast for today. Uh, that's okay. We're gonna get Nick on next week with the, the two of us, the three of us, and Nick, and we're gonna make picks. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, he's like, I have plans. When I asked him if he wanted to come on today, so I don't know. Uh, he's at thirty-two points. Maybe we'll have all passed him by next week. As far as podcast picks go, RJ plus ten after going ten and five in week three. Uh, Pete. Zero points. That's actually not terrible in, in life when you go seven and eight. And I went negative seven despite having the same record as Pete. For those just joining us on this, what we do is we have assigned point values to all the games each week. Of course, we exclude the Thursday night game. Uh, we have four points for one game. And then you can assign whatever you want, three, two, and one, to all the rest of the games, and we break them down into multiple segments. The first segment is, if you can only play one, and that's our best bets, I will start off by saying that my best bet this week, and you guys don't disagree with it, I got Baltimore plus six and a half at the Kansas City Chiefs. It is scary to get uh, in the way of Kansas City this season as they've been a spread-covering machine, but I tend to think, R.J., that when you can take a team that's been covering the spread all year long and sort of start to fade them later in the season, the public's still going to be on them. Uh, you, know, you can you know, get a little bit of value there. Additionally, I think that the Chiefs without Kareem Hunt are substantially worse offense, and they don't stop anybody against the run. They're probably the worst team against the run in the NFL. I believe the 32nd in DVOA in terms of rush defense. The, the 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 Ravens over the past few weeks, since putting Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards in there as the starting duo at quarterback and running back, have really excelled at running the ball. The Ravens are running the ball better than they have all season long, maybe better than they have in like five years, and I think that they'll be able to run and control the clock and keep this close. I don't think the Lamar Jackson experiment is going to work for Ever, uh, this season due to this read option and run stuff, but I think it's going to work this week. I actually like the Ravens to win the game. I think it's possible. Uh, the Baltimore offense has rolled more than 200 rush yards in three straight, and that's obviously coincided with Lamar Jackson taking hold of the offense. So they can do it. You said Kansas City's defense was 32nd in rush DVOA. They're 31st in yards per carry. They don't stop anybody running the ball, um, and now you're getting the best running offense Right now, if you look just a snapshot at this point in time, uh, you said Kansas City's been a covering machine. They opened the year 7-0 and against the spread. They're 1-3-1 and against the spread since. So they got to that point of overvalued, being overvalued. People were just banging on them to, to cover whatever the number was. That's not happened at this point. On the other side of the ball, you got a battle of a great D versus a great offense. We know what Kansas City can do, but Baltimore is number one in points per drive, net, number one in net yards per attempt. They're top five against the rush in the pass in DVOA. So if there is a defense capable of slowing down Kansas City, it might be this one. Then you look at what Kansas City has coming up. It's The next game is Thursday. They have to play the Chargers. That's the game for the division. So you can get caught looking ahead a little bit, saying we don't need this Baltimore game, but we definitely need this Chargers game. Um, so I think it it is possible that Baltimore pulls off the upset they need some things to break right for them i think six and a half is way too much um then my power rating line would probably make it a little more just on the relative strengths of the team but this is an awful spot for kansas city and an awful matchup hmm. yeah i like the ravens this is one of those games where the blitz is going to get after mahomes and if there's one thing i think in watching him the kryptonite of him as little as there is is him getting blitzed and i think the ravens who are known for their blitz are going to get after him uh, for me this is actually I think this is going to be a competitive game, even with uh, Lamar Jackson in the game. I, I just think that the Chiefs' defense is bad. They'll run the ball. And I think they're going to get after Mahomes. He's going to, it's not going to be the high-flying act it's been 
so far, I think the Ravens will slow them down. What do you think uh, about Tampa Bay? So we're all in agreement there, by the way, on, on Baltimore. We like the Ravens getting the, getting the points. If you get to seven, you love them. I don't think that'll happen. Uh, another big spread, albeit one for a home team, Pete, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, plus eight at home. That's your best bet this week, right? I like the, the Bucks this week. And, and the reason I like the Bucks this week is I think their offense has, you know, obviously been very, very good. The Saints are playing consecutive road games, which is always tough to do. And I know they've been rested a little bit because they had a little more time. Uh, but when I look at this team, uh, I see issues, uh, particularly, uh, that were exposed a little bit in Dallas last week. The ability to separate outside. Now, Tampa Bay's defense isn't great. They're not like the Cowboys, but I think the Bucks are going to score points here. They scored a bunch on them in the first First meeting, obviously, that was a way long time ago and a different quarterback. But Winston's playing well. I'll take the points here at home. Not great is a little bit of an understatement. They're pretty <laughs> bad. And I know they, they've come off a good game against some poor competition. But I think Bree's going to pick apart that Tampa secondary. That, that Tampa, Tampa secondary against a good quarterback, I don't think you can trust them at all. I can't well, see James. So Cam Newton's not good then, right? Uh, he wasn't in that game. He's not He's not good right now. He's, he's Car- Caroline on the road isn't a good team overall. Nope. Just Just – at at that point. So I, I they're a much different team at home when the running game's working and and I think they've scored no more than twenty four points on the road at all this year. Um Tampa's not turning it over, but they need the pass game to be like completely on point to have a shot uh, going up against this New Orleans offense. New Orleans defense has been locked down. Fifty one points over the last four combined. Um so I think that they can hold Tampa down a little bit. It's a revenge spot for New Orleans. The the first game of the season they lost at home against Tampa. They're not going to be sleepwalking into this game like maybe Kansas City would in the last game we talked about. Um, they want to get this win and prove that they can beat Tampa. I hate laying a ton of points on the road. I think New Orleans is going to be focused coming off a loss. They won uh, 10 straight, and then they lose a game. I like a team in that spot coming back the next week to, to be 100% focused, knowing they need to go out and have a good game. Um, the weather should be windy and rainy. Um, if it wasn't for that, I'd probably like New Orleans a little bit more because um, th- that would be more conducive to scoring points. But even so, I think New Orleans' defense is capable of keeping Tampa's offense pretty pretty much at bay and winning a game by 10 to 14 points. I'm of the opinion that sometimes it's just a bad spot. to like People don't like playing in certain spots. I don't think Cam Newton likes to play in Tampa Bay. And you know who else doesn't like to play in Tampa Bay? Drew Brees. Uh, the, the Saints, do you know the last time that the Saints won by more than seven points in Tampa Bay? No. 2010. They go there every year. Uh, they lost straight up the last two years in Tampa Bay. Now one was, uh, 1231 last year. Um, I don't, I can't exactly remember if they were playing all of their starters, but they typically go to Tampa Bay in December and for whatever reason, they don't, they, they beat them by seven in 2012. They beat them by seven in 2015 and every other game has been, I mean, every game has been one score, uh, since 2011. I, I don't, I don't know that, that's a you know I don't know how much you want to get into it with a trend like that. And they played everybody last year, by the way. It's still I think long. this is a, this is probably the best Saints team of that tra- at that streak though. I, I wouldn't the way the with defense that. is playing right now. I would take this version of the Saints over all those teams. But if it's a if it's crappy weather, this I don't, I don't know. I like the, I like the, I think eight is too, eight is too much here uh, for me. I would personally agree with that. Um, I also agree with your pick of Indianapolis, RJ. Your best bet of the week: the Colts catching five at the Houston Texans. Yeah, Andrew Luck carved up Houston in that first meeting. It went to overtime. It should have been a tie game. The Colts went for the win, uh, and to, and the standings will be a little bit different if they'd have just accepted the tie. You know, maybe they have a better chance of winning the division at this point. But since that game, Houston has faced these quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and then Nathan Peterman, because Allen got hurt. Blake Bortles, and then Cody Kessler. You know, they used two in that game too. Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, Alex Smith, who gets hurt, and then Colt McCoy comes in. Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's not, 
anybody near Andrew Luck's level of talent. Texans have 200 passing yards just once in the last seven. They've been able to get by with running the ball, playing good defense, and winning games like that. That's not going to cut it in this matchup against Andrew Luck. Coming off a game, getting shut out, angry, knowing that they need to get back in this race. I think they're going to be at the, their top uh, top of the level offensively. And they've improved, and the defense has improved versus the pass since the bye. The rush DVOA on defense is number four on the year. So the line says the Texans are the much better team. I think they might be even. I think on on you know a neutral field you might make it a pick at this point. Indy coming off getting embarrassed. I like their motivation factor. And five points is too many. I think we're getting great value right here. I don't love the game to be honest with you, but uh, I, if I had to play it, I'd play the Texans. I I, I just think back to back road games. They weren't good last week against Jacksonville. The Texans' pressure will get after them in this one as well. They can pressure the quarterback better than Jacksonville can. Uh, they can't cover as well, but they can pressure as well. Uh, and I think Watson's going to be able to make some plays against them in the passing game. So I, I would lean to the Texans. Don't love it. Since we're talking about road spots that teams like or dislike to play in, I think it's worth noting that the Colts – for whatever reason, are very good when they go to Houston and play the Texans. Um, you know, they, they've only lost once since 2012. They actually lost in Andrew Locke's rookie year, uh, late in the season. Um, they lost in, in 2016 in overtime by three points. But generally speaking, have kept this a, to, to be a one score game. And I think the Colts are the more desperate team. Everybody's sort of riding the Texans high here. Um, and, and I don't know. Like, I think, I think it should, it should be a three point game. And I think you're getting two points of value, as RJ mentioned there. So I also, uh, would lean towards the, uh, the, the Houston. What, game. what was the Houston Cleveland line? Five and a half? Yeah. Five and a half. And we're, and we're getting five here with Indy. Indy and yeah. Cleveland are about, they about the same team? Of course not. No. Like Indy's a much better team than Cleveland. I mean, don't you think even if Cleveland's how'd got... That score, how'd that score end out? Cleveland. That was a terrible pick by me. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad spot for Cleveland too. Yeah, but, yeah. but still, like, just comparative level of teams, Vegas is saying that Indy and Cleveland are about, about even. That's what the market is saying right now. Well, but like if the game were, if Indy and Cleveland played on a neutral field, I feel like the Colts would be favored by three. Right? On neutral field, yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. And so like, they shouldn't, there shouldn't be a half a point difference. Right, there. you're getting, you're getting value. And the look ahead line was in, was in the Houston Indy game was Houston minus three. Indy gets embarrassed, it goes up to four and a half, and now it's five because it's getting bet up because people remember Indy getting shut out. Indy's not going to get shut out in this game. You know, that, that was a once in a season thing for them. Um, so uh, if you think that the offense that scored eight, uh, eight straight games, three passing touchdowns, if that's the actual Indy offense, then you should take Indy. If the actual Indy offense is the one that can go and get shut out on the road, then then stay away from it. But I'm making that it's the former. I'm with you on that one. Uh, segment two. Any any other thoughts on those uh, those best bets? I didn't feel like we didn't linger long on them. Uh, segment number, Pete. Do you want to keep going? Do you want to keep talking about best bets? I know you like to talk, Pete. Oh, I'm fine. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> segment two. Agree to disagree. We have a. Uh, just four games in here where there's a strong disagreement. That means that we each have at least a two-point game. Uh, the first one, RJ and Pete are both on the New York Football Giants at the Washington Redskins. RJ, tell me why you're backing Eli Manning for the fifteenth time this season. Tell me why you're backing Mark Sanchez. Uh, butt fumbles. So you think that's a positive? <laughs> I don't know. It's too many. It's it. I think that. Washington will muck this up and turn this into a slop fest like they did against the Eagles. And that the, I mean, I, I understand it on paper. It makes, it makes no sense that you would back the Redskins. They do have at least a, you know, full week to prepare, almost a full week to prepare with Sanchez. And, um, I think they turn it into a, a, a slop fest and just keep it close. Yeah. Or I don't think the Redskins would have covered if, uh, they didn't. Yeah. yeah. If Cole McCoy plays 60 minutes and he doesn't get hurt, then the Redskins cover. I, yes. I disagree. 
yeah, the Washington injuries are just too much. You have 16 players on injured reserve. So you're going to third string quarterback. We talked about Sanchez. You got third string guards at both guard position. It's a short week. Mark Sanchez won't be up to speed with the playbook. You know, they brought him in two weeks prior to the game where he had to appear. He didn't look great. You know, now he gets an extra six days to prepare. Uh, he's not going to look much better. The Giants are playing hard. They won three of their last four games and the one loss was a close loss at Philly that they, they, were, they were in. They're just four and eight, but they're playing like a six and six team. They have an even yards per play differential, so they they give up as many yards per play as they they gain. They're zero point one weighted DVOA, so that's right in the middle of the pack. Uh, the defense is below average, but I don't see how Washington scores a ton with that offense and all those injuries. So, if the Giants' offense gets even to you know seventeen to twenty, and I think that's realistic in this game, I don't know that Washington covers because that offense is just going to look pathetic in this game. I mean, I like, I don't have a good reason for it, okay? Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I have a, a great sense of confidence that the Washington Redskins are gonna, are gonna win this game, or that they're gonna even cover this game, given their injuries and given that they are trotting out, uh, Mark Sanchez. And, but the line is just funky. Like, it's just, it's just funky, right? I mean, I feel like it's... Well- it's it, where it should be. Like I, I think it, is it? the look ahead. The look ahead was Washington minus two and a half before Colt McCoy gets hurt. I mean, Colt McCoy. Now, Colt McCoy now is that three good? And a half. Yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't seem like Colt McCoy should be worth that points, but I think it's really the drop off to Mark Sanchez. That's the one that's that's worth the I'm points. I'm with RJ on this one. I, I can't. There's no way I could take the Redskins with that slump that they're going to put on on the field. No chance. Zero. None. Pete, I think Giants and a half. You're still getting five. Giants are playing pretty good football. And granted, they haven't exactly beaten up on a bunch of really good teams, but they play good football Pete, for them. Pete, let me ask you something, and I don't want to turn this into like a 10-minute conversation, but you know what I'm going to ask you. Should the Redskins at least try out Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, why not? I mean, that's what I don't get about this whole thing. Like, I don't know if Colin Kaepernick's going to come in and be good, um, but the, the, the idea that you it's like, well, we can't change up our offense now. We can't bring in Colin Kaepernick. It's like you just brought in Mark Sanchez. What's the like? What's the difference here? I don't understand what the problem is. Bring in Colin Kaepernick. Try. You know it what out. I don't like though? I don't like every time somebody gets signed. It's like a, a, the Twitter police sounds the siren and bashes the hell out of the guy who gets signed. Look, I, I, I mean, look, I agree. I agree. Look, Kaepernick should be in the league. We all agree on that, but he's not. So it doesn't mean you bash every guy that gets signed because he's not. It'd be different if we had any evidence whatsoever of Colin Kaepernick taking over a Alex Smith team and having success. You know, I, <laughs> I, I can't think of one situation where that's come well, up in recent history. Well, we also have some evidence of Blaine Gabbard taking over for Colin Kaepernick team at one point, too. So, I mean, we can go both ways on that. Okay, if Colin Kaepernick gets signed, I'd be fine with Gabbard being his backup. I agree with you there. I, it's just That's not what I said. He took his job from here's what, here's Here's my problem, is that NFL teams consistently – almost without failure will do anything in order to win football games and the Redskins won't even give Colin Kaepernick a tryout. Like maybe you bring him in and, and he's like, eh, whatever. Like Josh Jackson gives us just as good a chance. That's fine. I mean, like that's okay. Bring him in, give him a shot. But it's, it's clear that there is something other than football motivating the Redskins when it comes to their quarterback signings and decision-making. But the guy hasn't played in two years either. They signed Josh Jackson. Right. Josh Johnson. I mean, look, I would, would I have signed him? Yes. Josh well, Jackson is so bad that his name is, is actually it, Josh Johnson. Yes, Josh Johnson. Excuse me. They signed, yeah, they signed Josh Johnson, who I don't believe has thrown a, um, a pass since at least 2013, I think. Maybe, maybe 2011. He's terrible. Yeah, it's insane. It's like a, it's almost like taunting. Like they, like they should be, they should be flagged for taunting for signing 
Josh Johnson, whose last attempted pass was 2000. That can't be right. 2011. That cannot be right. Yeah, I think that might be right. Two, he hadn't thrown a pass since 2011. Colin Kaepernick, that the year Colin Ka- Kaepernick was drafted? Get out of here, Redskins. Screw you, Redskins. In fact, screw you right in, in the everywhere. On the alarm, the Twitter police is, uh, is as no! a No! No! This is the Princeton took the over of the Redskins and the Redskins win the NFC police, and I'm mad about it because they're going to cost me money because the refusal to sign Colin Kaepernick. Screw you, Redskins. All right. That's all I got. Dallas minus three and a half against Philadelphia. RJ, I'm just on the wrong side of you guys, apparently, on these <laughs> NFC teams. Why you got Philly? I'm surprised this line isn't higher. They had that high-profile win against the Saints, who everybody agreed was the number one team. Philly's traveling after a short week. Uh, we just said that we're not sure they would have covered if McCole McCoy didn't get hurt. So obviously you can't count on quarterback injuries in a game. Uh, it wasn't an impressive win against Sanchez. They ran away with it at the end. Uh, the D is average at best. They're 29th in yards per carry. Still banged up against the pass, you know, with that secondary. I think Teron Smith is coming back for this game. He missed the last game. That slows up the Eagles' pass rush. Zeke's going to have a big game against this bad Eagles' D. Dallas' D is going to rise up again um, against an overrated offense that isn't playing that well. Ertz had 14 catches, 145 yards, and two touchdowns against Dallas at home, and they still lost by seven. He's not going to give you any more than that. And I don't know where the production is going to come from from the Eagles to, to keep this game close in Dallas. So... This was a pretty easy pick for me. The way Dallas is playing now, three and a half just seems like way too low. I'll take the Cowboys. I, I love the Cowboys last week. I told you guys that was the pick, one of my picks of the week. I love Dallas to win that game outright. And uh, I think defensively they're really good. They can do a lot of things. Here's what the Eagles can't do, run. And when you can't run and you play that defense, you've got problems. And, and I think that's going to show up in a big way. I'm not talking about running game. I'm talking about speed outside. I think they're going to be able to lock them down. Uh, I think the Cowboys defense playing well. I I love the Cowboys. In this and game. Jeffrey just isn't playing good. Like Brad Jeffrey, I think has had as a guy that has him on multiple fantasy teams. He's I, dro- like I, dro- I dropped. I dropped him. I dropped him in the league. Yeah, he's not. Think about good. a guy who can't run. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Pete, you 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 tooted your horn there. I want to toot your. I don't. Well, I'm gonna let me. I don't want to phrase it like that. I want to toot your horn, Pete. Um, but I do want to give you credit because you said on the Sportsline show, which, by the way, airs on CBS Sports HQ, cbssports.com slash live, every day, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, Saturdays. You're going to be, you, this is your, this is bowl season, baby. You got to be on Sportsline. This is the playoffs, bowl season. This is the time to be checking out Sportsline. And Pete said last Thursday night on Sportsline before the Cowboys Saints game, the Cowboys are going to cover and that the Cowboys were going to win outright, and he dared people to splash a little bit on the money line, and, man, were you right. So good job by you, Pete. And once in a while, I get one right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just think there's two – both these picks are too obvious. And maybe, that, maybe that'll burn me. I just think it's too – I think it's too obvious that the Cowboys are just going to keep rolling and take care of Philadelphia and that the Giants are going to stroll in and beat Washington. And, and maybe it is – maybe it's maybe I'm overthinking it. You're well, overthinking it. It's December. It's obvious season. Yeah. Obvious season. Is, You're this, is it. December obvious season? Mm-hmm. It is. It is? It, this is when we start seeing teams quit. Yeah, you're obviously going to be on the road for about five days around December 25th to December 29th. <laughs> That's obvious. <laughs> uh, so see, I'll be on the road the 22nd and the 23rd and the 24th and the 25th and the 26th and the 27th. It is obvious. I will be on the road for God, five days. hell. Yeah, it's hell. <laughs> yes, it is hell. <laughs> Absolutely. Make sure, make sure to follow the North Star. You'll get there eventually. <laughs> I follow the North Star, the West Star, the East Star, the South Star. I got to follow all the stars. Uh, so look, I, again, like I don't, 
I think it's a good coaching matchup here. I think Doug Peterson can outcoach Jason uh, Jason Garrett. I think the the Eagles can. Fletcher Cox is playing really well. I think he can get in there and start to slow down Zeke Elliott. He's got to slow down Zeke. If they can slow down Zeke, they can make some things happen. I don't know. I don't feel good about either one of them. I probably put them too high on here, but I'm I'm taking both of those teams. Green Bay, it's a compelling argument, wasn't it? Green Bay minus five and a half against Atlanta. I love Green Bay in this spot. Man, I love Green Bay in this spot. Uh, Julio Jones is banged up, sore foot, expected. He's practicing on, um, on Thursday, expected to play per Dan Quinn. Should be out there, but he's going to be banged up. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you guys heard, fired his own head coach. Took wow. Mike McCarthy out behind Lambeau Field and shot him in the head. Boom! It's over. You got, you got godfathered. Um, that, that's a metaphor. That's not, yeah, that's that was not, a little too graphic. Yeah, that was a little too graphic. I apologize for that. That was, that was too much. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers and Mike, Packers and Mike McCarthy have parted ways. I love a dead cat bounce and there's no dead, there's more, more dead cat than Joe Philbin. The guy is the king of the dead cat and he is going to come in. He's cleaning house. Got Winston Moss out of there. I said, no, no, don't tweet about my team. Get out of here. He's cleaning house. Um, this is going to be 26 degrees, high of 26 on Sunday in Green Bay, low of 13 degrees. That is not Matt Ryan weather, Pete. And I like the Green Bay Packers to have a great offensive performance. Aaron Rodgers looks sloppy as Brady Quinn, uh, or was it Brady? No, Jason Lockenfora alluded to this week. Borderline purposely sloppy, and I think he comes out there, he looks sharp and has a great offensive day. I like the Falcons plus the points. I think both teams are going to go up and down the field. I really like the over. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game no matter what the weather is. Uh, the Packers aren't good on defense. The the I mean, look, the Falcons are terrible on defense. I, I think Matt Ryan will play well. I think they'll throw up and down the field on Green Bay. And, you know, Rodgers is going to try and show up as old coach. He's going to throw it as well. So I like the over a lot, but I like the Falcons in the game. Atlanta, as a team in their history, one and eight straight up at 25 degrees or less. And this game is projected to be 20 to 25 degrees. Um, I think they could play hard for a quarter. I think Atlanta could play hard for a half. I think when you get into the second half and the cold is in their bones and they're four and eight and this, this wind doesn't, this wind doesn't matter at all to their season. I don't see them playing hard in the second half. I think Packers run it all down over them in the second half. They take a, a, a a halftime lead that might be six, seven points, and they extend it. It turns into a blowout, and it becomes a pretty easy cover for the Packers. Chicago plus three against the Rams at home Sunday night football. Man, this is a great game. Offense meets defense, and the Bears are getting points. Please, Mitchell Trubisky is going to be back in this game. Uh, I get the, the, the Rams defense is getting better and improving, and Aaron Donald is a force to be reckoned with. But give me the Bears and the points in this spot, Pete. You love the Bears, huh? Love the Bears. I, not me. Uh, I, I think, look, when you look at them offensively, they can't run the ball, right? They have problems running the ball. Now, they ran the ball a little bit last week, but they have problems running the ball. I think that's going to show up. The other thing here, when you look at the Rams, I think Rams are going to get thoroughly taken away from them, so you know what that's going to do? That means it's going to be a Jared Goff game. And I know that everybody's going to point to the weather and that it's the coldest game he's played. Da, 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 da. The Rams will score points provided, and I don't know what the weather's going to be yet, but provided it's not a, a hurricane wind, uh, I think they will score points. I like the Rams. You say the Bears aren't running the ball well, but getting Trubisky back is going to help that. He has 363 yards uh, on the ground, three rushing touchdowns. Um, I think they really missed something when they go to Chase Daniel. And getting Trubisky back, as weird as it sounds, is going to improve the run game. Um, having that, that, having to defend that more often, um, than you would with Daniel. So 
I do think that Ram, the Bears are going to have a lot more um, success offensively against the Rams. Rams are just two covers since week three against the spread. Last week's was at the last minute. You know, that easily could have went either way. Um, Chicago sees number one against the run in the pass per DVOA. Rams offense is number four versus passing and number one rushing. So we're getting strength versus strength there. When you flip it around the other side, I think the Bears can have success offensively against a Rams defense that just isn't playing well. Um, you get the game in Chicago. It'll be colder weather for an L.A. team. Chicago only has one home loss. And in that game, they outgained the Patriots 453 yards to 381. So it's not like they got blown out by a really good New England team either. I think this game in Chicago should be a pick 'em. So we're getting three points of value. So I, I love the, the Bears as well. I don't think this line would be nine in Los Angeles because the Bears are a good team. So the line doesn't make sense to me in that sense. So I think the value here is all with the Bears. Yeah, I, I will point out that um, the, the Rams have two games since Sean McVay took over. Four games since Jared Goff showed up. Two games since... Um, since Sean McVay took over where they've been in, in a temperature where it's under 40 degrees and they have won both of those games. Uh, they won, they beat the, uh, the Titans in Tennessee 27-23 in, uh, in week 16 of 2017. And then earlier this year in week six, they went to Denver and won by three points. So it's, but you look at the totals, right? 27 points last year and 23 points this year. They're not, they're not, I don't think they're going to go into Chicago and lob up 35 or 40 points on this Bears defense, which is the best in football in a really cold game. And the Bears defense is going to be pretty mad too, because they just gave up 30 against the Giants at, you know, in that game. Um, I know they were on the road, but they were huge favorites. They're expected to win and took a big blow in that game. Um, so the defense is going to come into this game like at the top of their game. You know, they're focused. They should be ready to go in this one. It's obvious season, Pete. Bears are obviously going to win this game outright. Uh, I disagree. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, money, the line is moving towards, by the way, if you're listening to this and you want to bet on the Bears, go ahead and do it. It's opened up at four and a half. It's now like plus three and the Bears are juiced. So you're probably going to end up seeing two and a half. I mean, I don't, obviously, I mean, clearly don't like it as much, RJ, at two and a half, right? Right. And, and it'll, it'll move once we know Trubisky's playing for sure. Like once that Friday injury report comes out and he's not questionable, you know, he's just it's cleared, like, ready yeah. to go, then it's going to go down. People are not going to have to worry about Chase Daniel. It's like waiting to move, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving right along. These are the, uh, Pete, these are our whatever, whatever segments. Whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> That's not even piped in. That's Pete live. I love it. Pittsburgh minus 10 and a half at Oakland. Pete, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, I ain't taking the Oakland Raiders <laughs> against Alabama these days. The way they, they can't play. Now, look, they showed up a little bit last week. But yeah, they took them against the Chiefs. They, they can't play. Yeah, but that was. Come on, you saw that game. It should have been a lot worse. But mm, uh, they can't play defense. They're terrible defense. The Steelers are reeling because of what happened the other night, blowing that lead. By the way, Pittsburgh, you throw to score, you run to win. Why didn't you run the ball when you had the damn lead? That was really dumb on their part, okay? They gave away that game. They're not going to do it here. They're going to go out there. Roethlisberger is going to put up a big number early, throw the football around. Uh, and I, I just don't think that the Raiders can stop him in his offense. I you know, unless they get, uh, you know, all those good defensive players, Ted Hendricks and game back from, from the old Steelers Raiders wars, uh, it ain't happening. Like, I'm not going to sit here and defend Oakland as being like a, a good team. Like they're a terrible team, but it's a tough road trip for Pittsburgh off two straight losses. They haven't won by more than seven on the road this year. They're one and eight against the spread since 2009 as 10 point road favorites are higher. So you make them huge favorites in a game and then they play down to the competition and that's what they're going to do here i also don't want to put the the game in ben roethlisberger's hands because the more he throws you know the more 
susceptible he is to making mistakes. He's not as good a quarterback at the, in 2018 as he was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Um, the running game could lag with no Connor. I don't think you can, you have a bell cow back between Ridley or Samuels. Um, Oakland D somehow ranks number one in DVOA against number one receivers and number four against number two receivers. I think Aaron Schatz pointed that out on Twitter this week, which is insane to me. But if those numbers hold out and the, the outside corners do a good job, then maybe Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster don't go off as much as we expect. And the, Ben's going to have to rely a little bit more on moving the ball with uh, Vance McDonald and passing the Samuels and you know the, the second year James Washington. And I don't think that offense is explosive in that way. So this game could be a little tighter than we expect. It seems like one of those Pittsburgh should win, should score 40, and they end up scoring like 24, and they win by seven instead of 14 or, or 17. So I, I'm not strong on Oakland. Will and I both have them as a, as a one, and Pete has Pittsburgh as a two. So I don't have any confidence in this, but this just seems like a lot of points for Pittsburgh on the road. They are the, they are the number one team in DVOA against number one wide receivers, number four against number two wide receivers. How, how on earth is that possible? That's what I said when I saw those numbers. I was <laughs> like, possible? okay. It's like, sure. That's, take your word for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. But they're number but 30. Watson much of it then is going through the data. Um, maybe. 51. Like 50, yeah, it's like, what, 55 yards per game against number one receiver or something? Yeah. Like, that's, you know, a number one receiver is supposed to be at 80, 90, you know, you know, teasing with 100. And they're giving up 55 yards per game. They must be playing some really bad number one receivers. Yeah, or or they just constantly get – run on i mean i don't know it's very bizarre uh oakland by the way getting 51 percent of the money eight 51 percent of the bets 81 percent of the money um so that's a pretty big i believe that's the highest second highest disparity on the board this week according to the action network moving along to the next game san francisco 49ers at home against denver i got san francisco as a two here it's an aggressive two um, Nick Mullins has not been very good since that uh, incredible debut against that bad Oakland Raiders defense. He has fallen back to earth very quickly, but I do like what we're seeing from some of the younger guys in uh, in San Francisco. You got Dante Pettis playing really well, 215 yards and uh, over 14 targets in his last two games, along with three touchdowns. You have uh, George Kittle, of course, has been playing great. Justin Wilson. It was actually a target hog out of the out of the running uh, the running game last week. J- Justin Wilson is so good that his name's actually Jeff Wilson. Is it Jeff Wilson? I would think yeah. I butchered. Yeah, you're butchered. <laughs> I think I called him Justin Wilson like ninety times in the last 20, 48 hours. You're, you've you've mashed him up with Justin Jackson. The other is it good, Jeff yeah. Wilson? How did I think it was Justin? Jeff, Jeff Wilson, Justin oh, Jackson, Justin. Jalen Samuels. <laughs> Wasn't Justin Wilson the Cajun cooker back in the day? <laughs> I, that's what I'm doing. I'm mashing up Justin Jackson and Jeff Wilson. Okay. Uh, well, at least I know, at least I've got like a decent reason for doing it um i think that denver is going to be really deflated in this game they're they lost emmanuel sanders for the season chris harris they lost last week they're a top 10 team by dvoa on offense and defense and they could have made a playoff run could still make a playoff run but they're just too young and i just don't think they get it done here they need to pass to win and i'm not sure they have the weapons to do that against uh, denver pete Look, Chris Harris being out is a big blow for them, obviously. But uh, for me, I, I just think that they're going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. And, and if you look at the numbers of Case Keenum, they've come down as they've been winning. And that's because they're running the football, and I think they're going to turn their pass rushers loose. Uh, I think the Broncos are, are the team to, to be here. I think they'll win the game and cover the number. 
run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, I think, is is a formula maybe for a win, but for a closer win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout on the road when you're running the ball. You don't really have much of a passing offense. The passing game now runs through Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, something named Tim Patrick, and Matt Lacoste. Uh, so uh, good luck. You know, Von, Miller, Von Miller will have a little something to say with a couple turn of sacks. Von, Von Miller is a great pass-catching tight end. You're, <laughs> you're correct. You know what uh, I'm talking about, RJ. San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, he should get some sacks. Nick Mullins was better at home than on the road. You know, they had to go on the road the last two games, and the shine has come off of Nick Mullins. I think we're going to see a better quarterback at home where there's not as much going on. There's not as much crowd noise. You know, you got more favorable conditions. Um, I think even with Jeff Wilson at running back instead of Brita, that San Fran's going to have some success running the ball. You know, that they're a good run offense team. And I think these teams should both do well running the ball, have a little bit closer game, lower scoring. Um, that Denver might take uh, take away by three or four, four and a half is just a little bit too much for me. So I I made San Fran a one for me for my picks. Yeah, I mean it's hard, it's like it's hard to love that game, but the Broncos are banged up; they're going to be pained. Uh, Miami plus seven and a half against New England in the Humidity Bowl, Pete. You got Miami's at three here. Look, New England's history in Miami is not good. It, it was Brady's what seven and nine in Miami. For whatever reason, those guys don't play well down here. And I, I just think that this Miami team, look, they're not good, but they're capable of hanging around. With, don't forget, the Vikings are – I mean, the uh, Patriots are coming off a big win. I mean, that matters too. And I think, you know, something that happens down here. He takes his foot off the pedal whenever he gets it. Remember, he gave him a game a couple of years ago and cost him the chance to be the number one seed. Uh, I don't understand it. Um, and I know those Miami teams could rush the passer a little better than this one. And that was always a factor. But if you're going to give me more than a touchdown at home, I'm taking it. Yeah, on the surface, I really wanted to like Miami, too, because I know New England struggles in Miami. One and four straight up in their last five, also against the spread, one and four. Eight and ten in the Belichick era straight up in Miami. So it's not just a one-year, two-year thing. This is the entire time that New Eng- that Belichick's been in New England. He has a losing record in Miami. But, and there's a big but, New England is 63-11 and 11 in December since 2001. And so this is when we talk about the obvious season, you know, and this isn't a case of a team quitting, but this is when New England gets right. They focus, they start looking at uh, at January, what they need to do to, to make the playoffs, to get a better seed, and they win games that they should win. They struggle with turnovers early. Brady has, like, his worst interception rate, I believe, since 2013. It's at 1.8%, um, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's actually a, a little bit um, – higher than than you would think because if you just look in their last five games they've given the ball away just once so they struggle with turnovers lately they're not giving the ball away at all and that's how miami scores their points is by getting turnovers they don't you know rack up a lot of yards offensively they don't they don't put together a lot of big drives they get big plays they get some big return plays and then they get a lot of turnovers new england's a healthier team and without Xavier howard i don't think that those interceptions are going to be easy to come by especially against a team that's playing well and protecting the ball so despite the recent history i think the pats are relatively safe to put in a teaser and expect them to win the game outright you know you getting them down to like one and a half you know maybe one if, if it goes down a little bit more because i'm pretty sure the sharp money is going to all be on miami but i think new england wins this game i think they have the the upset that they they've had in recent history i you know what i totally forgot to mention before to you guys before we started this so i'm going to float it out there just so you can think about it as we wrap up the podcast uh, but i got a request for us to do uh some exotic stuff little pete they want to hear pete talk dirty. hey now uh they want uh no but somebody had a request here like could you do a parlay or a teaser and give one out at the end of the show so if you got one i i'm, I'm going to do a uh a, a money line parlay so if you got uh, if you got if you got something out there that you want to give out at the end of the show, uh, bear in mind. And, and I know you've got a teaser, RJ, but I'd be you know so. 
Whatever you want to do. Pete, you don't have to do one. We'll do it for next week if we need to. I'm sure Costas will be down with that. I like the Dolphins here because it is obvious season, and the Dolphins, quite obviously, have been winning games against the Patriots. Uh, they, they won by seven, they won by ten, and they won by thirteen, and they won by four. Four out of the last five games in Miami, four of the last five times they played, the Dolphins have won the game. And every year, uh, with the exception of, uh, 2014 in that stretch, this has been a late season game, either taking place in the, you know, sometime in December or sometime in January. I mean, they just, they just beat the Patriots with the exception of the 2016 season. Um, and so I'm going to ride the Dolphins here. I think you just take the points at home. It's too many points. I, I, I don't, I don't mind the idea of putting them in a teaser because I think that the Patriots could easily win the game, but I think you got, I mean, for me, you take the Dolphins, uh, to cover here and it's an easy choice and I like them as a two here. By the way, since I now live down here, it's the first time in about five years that the Patriots haven't displaced me from my room in my hotel. Ah, which hotel do the Patriots like to stay at, Pete? You can tell the podcast. Listeners. No, I'm not going to tell everybody so every fan in the world goes over there. I'm not doing that. Uh, I can tell you that the congratulations, Buff- Pete, for I, getting displaced. I can tell you that the uh, the the Patriot the Bills like to stay at the Westin. Why would you say that? Now? <laughs> what's it going to do? They're not playing the Bills again. Who cares? I, I was at the I was at the Westin when the Bills you played. You the Josh Allen fan club showing up at the Westin. There were why. there were tons of people there in the lobby waiting for the Bills when and they the played. Fans the fans always find out. Yeah, right. Pete, you, you already knew where the Bills stayed, so the Josh Allen fan club also show up anyway. <laughs> also, Pete, what are you gonna be like? The Patriots stay at a Marriott. Like, like, like it's, it doesn't never, I mean, like the Patriots stay at a Marriott in Florida. I mean, like there's like 55 Marriotts in in Miami alone. Um, moving along, these are Pete. These are the. Do you remember what this next segment is? They are the losers. Yes, I love it. Uh, Buffalo. This means we all agree on them. Uh, this could be your parlay right here if you want to be Pete. Uh, you take all these teams, package them in a parlay, and Don't fade us. Fade us, yeah, yeah, fade us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the opposite side. Uh, we are all taking Buffalo minus three against New York. RJ, the only one with the strong conviction on it, has it as a three after you got cold smoked by your Bills the last time they played the Jets. Yeah, yeah, I was against them in that game, but they're playing better now. Josh Allen's running the ball around. I'm still not convinced he's a great quarterback with his arm and, and accuracy, but man, he's running the ball. He's got like, I think, what, 234 yards rushing or something like that in his last two games. Uh, the Jets D's given up 400 plus yards in three straight. I don't think Darnold coming back at less than 100% is going to help keep up if they're giving up that many yards. Um, so I, I think Allen over Darnold, at this point, you know, considering their relative health, I think the Buffalo has a better quarterback at this point. Um, I like that we're getting three in Buffalo. If it was three and a half, I might stay away, and it was three and a half for, for a long time, and for the contest, they gave out three, and I was like, cool, I'm on Buffalo there, because I don't think they lose this game. I don't think they win by less than three. Um, they have an elite pass defense. Jets are just mediocre or worse all around. So the, there's actually one thing that the Bills do really well, and the Jets just do a lot of things pretty poorly. So this is pretty easy for me. Buffalo is the better team, um, and if you can have just three point laying three points with the better team, go ahead and do it. I'm with you. I just I think Allen's playing better right now, um, and defensively they they are tough. But you know what else? They show up every week, and you can't say that about the Jets. Yeah, good coaching. Team, yeah. And Sean McDermott's done a hell of a job. They show up every single week, and I'm going to give him a lot of credit. So I'll take the Bills minus the points. Are you making fun of uh, uh, Steamboat, St- Sean, Steamboat Sean with that, RJ? 
You know, he likes no, to, you know, he likes no, to, I love, I thought that was a great hire. You know, being a Bills fan, I've been to deal with Rex Ryan for years, and then they brought him in. I thought it was a great hire. They they overperformed last year, made the playoffs when they were more like a six seven win team. You know, somewhere around there. Um, so I think he's done done a heck of a job. I I am going to be the all time Sean McDermott fan in this podcast. I think he's he's a great coach. Steamboat Sean likes to make fun of uh, Sean McDermott. Doesn't think he's a very good coach. I think he's a great coach. Um, yeah, the quarterback stuff. He could have done a better job with that, but that's fine. Neither here nor there. By the way, uh, if you if you think the Bills under. For the season, you need the you need the Jets to show up here in, yeah. a, in a big way because you're probably going to lose that one though, which is a stinger because once again the Bills are outperforming their expectation again. Coaching, we like Cleveland catching two and a half at home against Carolina. I this is a three. RJ has it as a two. Pete has it as a one. This is for some very simple calculus for me. Um, I am concerned, of course, that the Panthers have to win this game. They have to win this game or else they are toast. However, I don't think that matters in the scheme of things because I don't think Carolina can win this game. Carolina is terrible on the road, has been terrible all year long, doesn't get up when they play away from Bank of America Stadium. They're on back-to-back road games. They're playing a team that they probably believe they should beat because they are favored. The Browns are underdogs at home, and Cam Newton's hurt. The Panthers' defense isn't playing very well, and when the Panthers' defense does play well, it can hide some of the problems with Cam in the offense. Christian McCaffrey's been great, but Cam's, I mean, look, his accuracy numbers are fine, but he can't throw the ball down the field with any accuracy. And when you see his throws in and around the line of scrimmage, even those are bad. He had two touchdown passes that, like, are lucky that they were scores last week. He had one throw to Christian McCaffrey. On a little, uh, little like flat route that was a, it was well designed play, well run, easy touchdown, but only an easy touchdown because Christian McCaffrey has great hands. The ball was tailing away like a cut fastball uh, from McCaffrey on that play, and then on a slant route to Devin Funches, you know he didn't hit him in he didn't hit him in the numbers. He hit him like like Funches had to dive back up to the right to catch it. I just think that Cam, as as strong as he is, as tough as he is, he's not right. His shoulder is messed up, and I'll tell you what, if he doesn't practice Friday. I don't think there's a guarantee. Like, if you like the Browns, put the Browns in now. Because I think that there's a chance that ultimately this could completely flip if the Panthers... I don't think they'll sit Cam because they have to win this game. But I think there's a chance that Cam is so hurt that he might not actually be able to play. Look, I, I'm. this is more for me. It's more of a play against that Carolina defense. They're sure. awful. I don't care what kind of changes they've made or whatever. They stink. And age has started creeping up on that defensive line. They just aren't the same up there. The back end has issues. Uh, I think Mayfield's going to have a big day. I, I like the Browns in this one. Yeah, they're 28th against the pass for DVOA, that defense. And Carolina can run on the Cleveland defense, who's just 26th in, in rush defense. So um, Carolina, if if Brinson is right and they're a little worried about Cam having to air it out with his injury, maybe the game plan is super conservative, do a lot of runs, a lot of short passes, screens, that kind of thing, and don't push the ball downfield. Um, I just don't see how they can be road favorites again. I mean, they just lost to Tampa as road favorites. They lost, lost to Detroit as road favorites. They're on their fourth road game on their last five, which, you know, the schedule really works against them. And and they're one and five straight up on the road. So this team that hates going on the road, loses a bunch of games on the road, fourth road game in their last five. How are you going to make them favorites? See, against a Cleveland team that isn't the Cardinals, isn't the Jets, they're not bottom barrel. You know, they've, they've shown up. They've had some good games this season. So uh, I think we're getting pretty good value here. Um, I, the line has steamed towards Carolina for some reason. You know, I think there was it was er, a pick earlier, a minus one earlier, and now it's gone up to two and a half. So. I don't know why. I wouldn't feel any confidence betting in this team, just assuming that they're going to get it together because they have to. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fading them as well. Give me Cleveland. L- listen to these quotes from Cam Newton, and this is on Thursday afternoon. Uh, or, excuse me, on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, he was asked about uh, about his shoulder injury, and he said, amongst other things, 
And the reporter's like, whoa, what? He's like, come on, you know Cleveland is looking at these tapes. And then asked if he needed surgery, Cam said, I can't confirm or deny, which means he's probably going to have off-season shoulder surgery again. This, And then he said, but at the end of the day, I just know I'm healthy enough to play. I'm not going to let nothing hold me back from being able to help my team. I definitely don't want to be a liability. I just want to make sure that I'm putting myself and this team in the best position to win football games. He said he's confident he'll be ready to go. And uh, asked uh, Ron Rivera said, "We'll see. We're not even at Friday yet." And uh, yes, at some point they're probably going to have to have uh, surgery. It's, I mean, like this is a this is the exact same situation. Just reading between the lines that the Panthers faced during late in the 2016 season when they weren't a good football team. Remember when they went to Oakland and Cam was throwing ducks all over the field and they lost the Raiders straight up, and it was a it was a game they really needed to win. This is a this is this is a major red flag to me. It is a it is time to fade Cam Newton and the Panthers down the stretch. They could be a team that gives up if they get down early to Cleveland. And they could really get hammered by the Saints uh, down the stretch. And they could even end up shutting Cam Newton down. So I, I don't think Carolina's making the playoffs. I think you're going to see them get discouraged. I think Miles Garrett gets a shot on Cam. And I, I might, I probably should have this as my number five, my number four pick, except I was scared by the, uh, by the stinking Browns as from mu- last as year. As much time as you just spent on it, you should have put a number four on it. You're probably right. I probably should have. Uh, the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry about that. The Chargers minus 14 against the Bengals, Pete. We all got him as a two. Explain to me why you like him. Well, I mean, the Bengals are awful on defense. Phillip Rivers is in a rhythm. Uh, he's, I mean, he's been fantastic. Uh, and I think they're going to get a lead, turn the pass rushers loose. Jeff Driscoll will turn the ball over. I hate laying 14 in the NFL, but that's the pick here. It's got to be an easy one. Yeah, you worry about when you're laying this many points about getting backdoored by by a solid offense. You know, try getting getting yards and points in the second half. I don't think that's going to happen against the Chargers defense because Jeff Driscoll is bad. Jeff Driscoll on the road is even worse. So yeah, I think it's a pretty safe play. Yep, same. Uh, the only thing I'm worried about with the Chargers looking ahead to Kansas City. Any concern that they look ahead? They're rolling right now, man. Any what are the chances they lose this game? Uh, none. Eight percent. Eight percent. They're a pretty safe bet in a – would they be a safe bet in a 12-point teaser? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just getting that on record. Cardinals plus two and a half against Detroit. Uh, I have the Cardinals as a three. I'm a little worried because I'm looking at the money on this game, and, and the Cardinals um, are, are, are getting 40 – the Lions are getting 56% of the bets, but 78% of the money, which is always sort of a red flag. I still think, though, that Arizona um, will come to play in this game. They went into Green Bay. They won. Maybe it's a Super Bowl. Maybe there's a little bit of letdown. But Steve Wilkes is still coaching for his job. I don't think Matthew – I don't think Matt Patricia is coaching for his job. I don't think Matthew Stafford is playing very well. I think that you can see Chandler Jones get after him. And this Lions defense is susceptible to uh, you know to a, team, to a guy like David Johnson putting up some big numbers. I think DJ has a big game here, and the Cardinals win this game outright. I like them plus two and a half easily. I think the Cardinals win the game outright as well. I think when you look at it and you say, hey, look, uh, they played hard last week. And that surprised me. I'll be honest with you. It surprised me that they played hard, but they did. Uh, I think they'll play hard here. This could be one of those spots where the Lions go out there and it's their game to lay an egg. I like Arizona. <laughs> this is the game to lay They lost five of their last six. In- yeah, but, you know, against a bad team. <laughs> Three of those have been at home. Um, the only win was against Carolina, who seems to be falling apart. Um, yeah, I don't see how Detroit can be road favorites against anyone. I don't care that it's Arizona. Um, the Detroit offense has in the top 230 passing, pa- 230 passing yards since week eight. 
Um, when you look at the running backs, I like David Johnson and Chase Edmonds over the Blount, the Blunt center combination at running back. So it turns into a running game. I like Arizona. It turns into a passing game. Detroit had really hasn't done that well, and Arizona has a pretty good pass defense. So I don't know why the Detroit's favored. I think you're getting value going with Arizona here. All right, I am also on board with that last game. Seattle minus three and a half against the Vikings on Monday night. A huge game for NFC wild card implications. The Seahawks, of course, cannot win the division. The Vikings can still chase the Bears. I love Seattle here. How about you, RJ? Vikings are just one and three straight up on prime time this year. They beat an overrated Green Bay team. They lost their other three games. The Minnesota defense isn't as good on the road. You know, I think I said last week they were giving up 26 points per game on the road, and then they went and they gave up 24 to to New England. Uh, Seattle stats aren't impressive thanks to that run-heavy game plan, so the overall stats don't look that good, but they're still fifth in pass DVOA and tenth in rush DVOA. So they are efficient passing and running the ball. Um, they're 5-2-1 and one as home favorites of four or less since the start of 2012. So... If you make it a close line, uh, Seattle can take care of business with that great home crowd. So three and a half seems to be a pretty easy pick for me going with Seattle. All right. I agree 100. percent I think the Vikings are uh, playing back-to-back road games on consecutive on different coasts. Consecutive weeks is always tough, but Kirk Cousins stinks at prime time. <laughs> I mean, he's bad. He was awful last week. He's been crappy in prime time most of his career, and he's going to be bad here. And if you give me the better quarterback, and the better quarterback is Russell Wilson, who's playing better, give me give me the Seahawks minus the points. Cousins might be the new Stafford, you know, the good against bad teams and bad against good teams, because that's that's way the way he's looked this season, and that could be he trouble. Wishes he, he wishes he was Stafford. No, have you seen? Do we do we not talk about this? Somebody Brady, maybe it was Brady Quinn earlier this week talked about this on this very podcast, I believe. I do I do so many media appearances like for CBS, I can't even keep up, you know what I mean, Pete? But um, I, somebody pointed Brady? out that I, I don't worry about it. Uh, that that his record against bad against teams with a winning record is like it's like maybe bottom three and Stafford's right there with him um that really might he might just be a front runner and he might not play well in primetime against good teams and this is primetime against a good team that's smelling blood at home right now yeah that makes sense to me um, that's, what, that's what my eyes say so you know, yeah, i'm glad the database Stafford's never had a defense like this oh right right right, right. well well yeah, I mean, like, this is not an indictment of Matthew this Stafford. Is a, this it's is a, a team he should – and granted, his offensive line isn't any good, but he's got a great defense, and he should be able to, you know, capitalize on that. He doesn't. He's not very good. I also think that Russell Wilson will always get up for games against Kirk Cousins because of that Big Ten championship game back when they played. And Cousins threw that huge Hail Mary to, to beat uh, Russell and rob him of a potential uh, national championship Stop spot. I'm it. sure that's exactly what's going through Russell's mind. On, so, on Monday. Monday in the locker room. That's what he's going to be thinking. Yeah, he's going to tell his teammates, you're not going to believe this, guys, but we got to get up for this because Kirk Cousins beat me in the Big Ten championship game. I don't think he's saying it out loud. I think it's in his head. This guy's chips on the shoulders, Pete. You need to, you need uh-huh. to, get, you need to learn you to get it. For the dumbest stuff for motivation. You know that? You really do. <laughs> I get motivated to do this podcast. I'm going to bleep Pete up. Uh, top five picks and then we'll get to these, uh, these exotics. Baltimore plus six and a half at Kansas City. That was our, we all like that. That was our best bet. Uh, Seattle minus three and a half versus Minnesota. The Chargers minus 14 versus Cincinnati. Cleveland plus two and a half versus Carolina and Arizona versus Detroit plus two and a half. So we got, uh, two road dogs, uh, and then two, two favorites and, and one, uh, dog on the road at Kansas City. I kind of like all those teams we picked to win. I wouldn't mind a money line play, parlay with those guys. Instead, however, I'm going to give you a high paying, Low risk, money line underdog parlay of the week. Here's what I got. I went on Sportsbook to get these numbers. Sportsbook.ag, use your favorite book, whatever it is. 
Give me the Browns plus 110. We're parlaying four teams. Browns plus 110. San Francisco 49ers plus 170. Cardinals plus 130. And the Chicago Bears plus 135. All home underdogs. All win outright. You're betting on them to win outright. If you put 25 on it, you win 741 bucks. Let's go. I don't love the uh, San Fran there, but I lo- like the other one. So if you want to be a little more conservative, take San Fran out, pl- parlay the other three. It's got to be what? 10 to 1. At least 10, something like 10 that, to 1. So. Yeah. So you can put 20. Yeah. So if, if you want to, hey, if you want to do, I, I, I thought about doing that too. The, the, the payout wasn't juicy enough. So I stuck San Fran in there, but I agree with you. San Fran is the, the least, uh, the least one I like, the one I like least. Yeah. So that, that would be a, a you know, t- 10% chance happening is what the odds say. But I, you know, I think you're well north of that. You know, we want to talk about 20, 25%, you know, so probably still won't hit. Somebody will screw it up, but I do like all those teams that you mentioned aside from San Francisco. You want to get really crazy though and up your odds, throw Oakland in as a, as a money line parlay. Ten and a half point dogs at home against Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh, as you know, we said how Jesus. bad they are against the spread on the road is huge favorite. So they could easily lay an egg there, and that would juice your uh, your payouts up pretty high. Twenty five would win you sixteen hundred dollars if you. Put there you luck. go. Good luck with that one. You might as well donate to Chuck. <laughs> Here, here's my. Already, I'm giving you a, a, a teaser. Fourteen teaser. Okay. Take the Cardinals plus the points. The Dolphins plus the points. The Ravens plus the points. And uh, the Bucks plus the points. That's my fourteen teaser. Okay, so it's, uh, so you will you would move you get twelve points if you do fourteen. So you're going to move the Ravens to plus eighteen and a half. Who else? You don't have to get twelve points. Can't you do it with six? You can do it with six. Can you do? It you can do it with six. It would bust. It would, you know you'd be getting like plus one fifty or plus one seventy five or whatever. Six points a better a better you pay out. So okay. six take Baltimore plus twelve and a half take. The Bucks plus fourteen take uh, Arizona plus eight and a half, and you take um, Miami plus thirteen and a half. So okay. let's just point out that you're teasing against Kansas City, yep. New Orleans, yep. and New England in that yep. teaser. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the, that's why one, one, one of those are going to trip you up. That's why it's exotic. That's why it's a teaser. <laughs> Might as well be donating money. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're getting teased. All right, RJ, give us your exotic here. So, yeah, in my weekly tips column that comes out on Thursday, I give out a teaser of the week. And it's only a two-team six-pointer. You know, I don't want to get too crazy. I'm still just trying to hit that minus 110, you know, minus sometimes minus 120, depending on what line you're taking. Um, I like teasing the Browns up from two-and-a-half to eight-and-a-half. Um, the Panthers aren't good enough to be blowing out teams, especially on the road, the way they've been playing. So getting plus eight-and-a-half with the Browns I think is great value. And then I, looking at the two road teams, I mentioned the Patriots earlier. I was also looking at the Saints because I think they're going to come out motivated after that loss. Um, I decided to go with the Saints, tease them down to minus two at the Bucks, They'll win that game by at least three. They'll get back on track. So Brown Saints, that's my two-team teaser. I am nine and four on my teaser in the week over the over the season. So if, at minus 110, if you're betting that every week, you get a pretty good payout at this point. So, so By the way, by the way, that, that ain't very exotic, two-team teaser. Not very exotic. No, no, no. The point was they just – they were this guy who just started betting emailed me a listener and was like, hey. I, I, I'm just saying, look, any, we could do two-team teasers. That's not very exotic. I mean, Brinson, you went on. You, teasers, teasers by themselves are exotic. Just the concept yeah, of teasers and parlays and all like, that. Like, Brinson went out on a, on, a, on a ledge. He's ready to fall in. <laughs> That's right. I love falling in. Face first. Boom. Uh, all right. Okay. Yeah, my, my crazy bet of the week, money line, take the Raiders. That's my crazy bet of the week. For, it's pay, paying out plus four eighty right now to take. So just take the Raiders straight up, and you don't have to worry about the rest of the. Uh, you could do it. You could do a two team money line parlay and take maybe the. Um, I think we all like the Browns, of course. You could take the Browns and 
Browns and maybe Browns and the Raiders. How about just the Browns and the Raiders? Do it. There you go. That's a good bet right there. That'll pay out pretty nicely, I think, actually. If you bet that, 25 would pay out 279. Browns and Raiders went straight up. You win 300 bucks if you bet 25 bucks. Go get that cash. Uh, guys, always a pleasure. We will talk to you next week. And we'll have Nick Costas joining us. How excited are you for that? Can't wait. Can't wait.